Well, good morning, folks. Lovely to see all your smiling faces that I remember from past days and to see some new faces, fresh faces. And it's a real joy for my wife and I to be back in this good place. We've enjoyed so many precious days in this house and fellowshipping with some of you dear friends. And we thank you for the opportunity to do so again. So we praise the Lord for his goodness. I'm not sure if you've escaped the COVID or not, but uh, I can assure you from experience it's a most unpleasant affair. And if I had my way, I know what I would do with it, but I have to be careful what I say. But anyway, it's a joy, a real joy to be back again. And I just want to say that, Bill, if I'm doing anything wrong, if I'm stepping out of line, don't be afraid to shout and tell me. My wife quietly whispered, go you to the other side of the pulpit or you'll fall at that side. So she knows me better than most, so I had to do that. But yes, it's a joy to be with you and a blessing. And I just want to read with you this morning, please, if I may, as we come to the Word of God and come to hear what the Lord would say to us in 1 Kings chapter 9, please. 1 Kings chapter 9, and I want to read with you, please, those uh, first uh, few verses. It's maybe not a portion that we often turn to, but we trust that it will be a blessing to us. 1 Kings chapter 9 and verse 1, And it came to pass when Solomon had finished the building of the house of the Lord and the king's house, and all Solomon's desire which he pleased to do. And I love that little phrase, because when you hear a man of God like Solomon, and he adds that which he, uh, and all Solomon's desire which he pleased to do. It's a great thing to have a desire to please the Lord, and to walk with him in the light of his work, and to bring honour and glory to his lovely, lovely name. Verse 2, And the Lord appeared to Solomon the second time, as he had appeared unto him at Gibeon. And the Lord said unto him, I have heard thy prayer and thy supplication that thou hast made before me. I have hallowed this house which thou hast built, to put my name there forever, and mine eyes and my heart shall be there perpetually. And if you will walk before me as David your father walked in integrity of heart, and in uprightness to do according to all that I have commanded thee, and will keep my statutes and my judgments. Then I will establish the throne of thy kingdom upon Israel forever, as I promised to David thy father, saying, There shall not fail thee a man upon the throne of Israel. But if you shall at all, old friends, listen to this, it's amazing. If you shall at all turn from following me, you or your children, and will not keep my commandments and my statutes which I have set before you, but go and serve other gods and worship them. Then will I cut off Israel out of the land which I have given them, and this house which I have hallowed for my name will I cast out of my sight. And Israel shall be a proverb and a byword among all people. And at this house which is High, every one that passeth by it shall be astonished and shall hiss, and they shall say, Why 
has the Lord done this unto this land and to this house? And they shall answer, because they forsook the Lord their God, who brought forth their fathers out of the land of Egypt, and have taken hold upon other gods, and have worshipped them and served them. Therefore hath the Lord brought evil upon this uh, I, I beg your pardon, hath the Lord brought upon them all this evil. Amen. Pray the Lord will bless his precious word. Let's take a moment and pray as we turn to the word of the Lord this morning, please. Our Father, we are ever so thankful again this morning for the privilege of being in the house of God and amongst the people of God. And knowing that you, our Father, are here and that we desire to know you and to walk with you and to honour you and to bring glory to your holy and precious name. And we simply ask, our Father, that you will help us even as we come to your word, even as we pray together, even as we sit around the table, even as we come in the gospel later, our Father, we ask that there may be evident signs that God is here and that to bless us with the Spirit's quickening power. That's our desire, our Father. That's the longing we have. That's the urge that we feel in our very souls this morning as we come into this good place. Lord, do something amongst us today that maybe hasn't been done in a long, long time. This past period of time, Lord, has been something difficult. Others have uh, been turned away from the habit of coming into the house of God and worshipping and praising and honouring you. And our Father, we cry to you for help that you will speak even in this house today and in other places where God is honoured and his word opens and the word preached and sung and our Father grant that as we do so, as we go through the form of worship, that we will be encouraged to walk again as we did once before with the Lord in the light of his word and by the power of his grace and to bring to others blessing through these lines of ours. So our Father, we commit ourselves now to you. Please help us and please do something today that will let us know that God is still with us and the power of God is upon us and that we will see things happen through the gospel of Jesus Christ. For this we pray in Jesus' name and for Jesus' sake. My friends, as we open God's Word, we understand that it's a very special scene from the history of Israel. God's people, uh, after being uh, called to worship, and God's tabernacle uh, having been built, and God working with His people and giving them instructions as we just read, and hearing the prayer that Solomon made and the promise that God gave and the principles the congregation are to obey, it surely must call us to a halt. Just to stop and take a deep breath and think of what happened in Solomon's day. The prayer that Solomon made, let's think for a moment or two on that. Think of the promise God gave. Think on the principles 
the congregation were to follow, were to obey. 1 Kings 7.51 says, So ended all the work that King Solomon had made for the house of the Lord. The ark was brought in, and the glory came down. I love that little phrase. The ark was brought in, and the glory was brought down. And friends, we've gathered here today to do essentially the very same thing that Israel did way back then. We've gathered here today to seek the Lord's face, to ask Him to pour out His blessing, His Spirit, upon this house. Now, I don't believe that God will bless just any house or any people. But God is always, I believe, looking for people to bless and a house of God's people to bless. Listen to uh, another passage of Scripture, 2 Chronicles 16, 9. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on the behalf of those whose hearts is perfect towards him. What a thought. Listen to that again. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on the behalf of those whose hearts is perfect towards him or on, the, on behalf of those whose hearts are complete and maturing and growing up in the Lord. See, the Lord said to this dear man of God, I've heard your prayer and your supplication that you have made before me. You see, at this wonderful dedication service, we should be asking ourselves, what kind of house did Solomon dedicate that day? Well, it was a house where God's glory dwelt. And that's something that I always love to think about as I come into the house of God, the very glory of God, the Shekinah glory, comes into the house with his people comes into the house to hear their praise, comes into the house to know that they are walking with God in the light of His Word. You see, this was the house where God's glory dwelt. Listen again to what I said at the beginning, 1 Kings 7, 51. So was ended all the work of King Solomon, that King Solomon made in the house of the Lord. The ark was brought in, and the glory came down. And oh friends, if we can grasp the wonder of that, and know that we are in a house, a house that God has built, and a house where God's glory desires to dwell. And know that we are here for a real purpose, that God can touch us and use us and make us mighty for his name's sake. Exodus 32, 12 through 23. That's just a little phrase that I want to read before going on. And so it should be. Uh, the mark of the Church of Jesus Christ today. Whatever we do in the future days, remember the glory of God. Always remember the glory of God. But he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. 2 Corinthians 10, 17. What is all? He that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. Now that's what Solomon's about. He wants us to think about the prayer that he's made. 
He wants us to think about the house where God's glory dwells. And he wants us, dear friends, he wants us to see that God has a place for every one of us to do as he would ask of us. He wants us to know that if we are willing, the Lord said he would dwell in the dark cloud when he was speaking. The king was standing on his newly created bronze platform, 2 Chronicles 6. Facing the sanctuary, the priests were standing on the altar, 2 Chronicles 5. The people gathered in the assembly, all of them having just seen an amazing manifestation of the glory of God. Yet strikingly, Solomon opens his address by saying, The Lord said he would dwell in the dark cloud, 1 Kings 8, 12. What on earth is he speaking about? He has just seen a wonderful light. He has seen the very glory of God. He has been told the glory of God has come into the house of God. What's he now talking about? That he's dwelling in a dark cloud? What on earth should bring him to think in that sense? Well, Solomon was simply referring to the words of the Lord to Moses at Mount Sinai, Behold, I come to you in a thick cloud that the people may hear when I speak and believe forever. You see, this was a indeed a thick cloud of darkness that had come down across the mountain. And Moses went into that darkness with great fear and Solomon is connecting the happenings of that day to Israel's past experience at Sinai. For the people of God must not be cut off from their roots in history. Listen, listen, here is what Solomon's getting at. God is light and God must be worshipped. They must hear God and they must sense his presence and they must see his glory. Remember what God said, no man shall see me and live. And here's the point, the emphasis of Sinai was on hearing God, not seeing, lest seeing him they would make image or images in the plural and worship him lest the people would go down the wrong street altogether. You see, Israel were to be a people of the Word. They were not bent on hearing God rather than, or seeing God, but rather on hearing God. And God wanted them to understand what he was saying. Israel were to be, listen friends, a people of the Word. Proclaiming it. Pondering it, practicing it. And that's how God would later, uh, at a later date, instruct Joshua with his plan for getting that great number of people into the promised land. So the church are to be a people of the Word. We're not to be a people of our own plans. We are not to be a people of our own programs. We are not to be a people of our own paraphernalia. We are not to be a people of our own power. We're not to be a people just doing what we like with God's word. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 10. Our testimony was believed among you all on that day. That's what God's after. He's after testimonies that's believable. 
great to have a testimony that's believable. And God wants us, I believe, today, friends, to think about the prayer that Solomon has made. And God, I believe, wants us to think about the house in which we worship, in which we hear God's word, in which we sense God's presence, in which we know that God has been here today and that to bless us wonderfully and powerfully and that we walk and live in the wonder of that blessing. In other words, this is a house where prayer is me. This is a house where prayer becomes a help. This is a house where prayer wonderfully helps and encourages. This is a, a place where God can do amazing things. You see, this not only is it a, a place that, that Solomon has made, and not only is it a place where Solomon comes to pray, and not only is it a place where he wants the glory of God to be seen, but it's a place that he's reminding us that this is a place where God helps. It's a place of consecration. I wouldn't have time to do all of these, but just to run past them very quickly. It's a place of consecration. It's a place where cares can be brought and dealt with together and prayed for. It's a place where conflicts can be dealt with, where conflicts can be hammered out and where people can get right with each other and with God. It's a place where casualties can be brought and helped and encouraged and lifted out of their dark places and brought back into the light and see the glory of God, Shekinah glory, shining on their very soul. It's a place where confession can be made and we can make right the wrongs that we've done. It's a place where we can commit ourselves to surrendering all to Jesus. All to Jesus I surrender. All to Him I freely give. I will ever, 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 listen to it, I will ever give Him this life and will surrender it to him. You know what? When he finishes praying, the Lord answered by sending fire from heaven to consume the burnt offerings and fill the temple with his glory. In fact, so much of God got on that place that the priests weren't able to go in and minister. That's the prayer Solomon made and that God heard. Think about the prayer Solomon made. Think about the promise God did. I have hallowed this house which you have built to put my name there forever and mine eyes and heart shall be there perpetually. God was telling his people that he was there for a purpose. God was telling his people that he was there for a purpose. He was there, friends, for prayer. He was there with power. He was there to do things for his people. Oh, that we could grasp that. You see, by following this house, God was desirous 
for a more intimate relationship with his people. And that's what God has ever been after. He wants a more, a closer, intimate relationship with his people. Remember James 4, that lovely verse that lives in my very soul day and night. James 4, 8, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And the very next phrase is what? Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. That's been the message down the years. When Joshua was about to take the children of Israel over Jordan, what did he say? Sanctify yourselves today, for tomorrow, what? God will do wonders among you. Oh, brothers and sisters, let's grasp the hold of that. Joshua 3, 5, a closer relationship with God, you see, is based upon holiness, and what we may ask is what holiness, and holiness is likeness to God, or more precisely, likeness to the moral character of God. Old Archbishop Robert Layton said on one occasion in one of his books, A holy life is a voice that speaks when the tongue is silent and is either a constant attraction or a perpetual reproof. A holy life is not an ascetic or gloomy or solitary life, but a life regulated by divine power, by divine truth, a life lived in love in truth, in blessing, and be a life that shouts out for God. What a blessed privilege. Walking with God, the hemorrhager had it right. When we walk with the Lord in the light of His Word, what a glory He sheds on our way. When we do this, we will He abides with us still, and with all who will trust and obey. You see, that relationship with God becomes more and more precious, and we become for it more and more zealous, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as we see the day approaching. The old Martin Lloyd Jones put it well. He said, Listen, this wonderful uh, truth not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as we see the day approaching. That truth, says Martin Jones, is the very truth we need to be preaching today. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. We need the prayers of the saints. We need that the God's people grow and mature to the degree that they cannot grow longer higher and broader and touched a much larger body of people in this world. Think about the prayer Solomon made. Think about the promise God gave. God will be there in person, he says. I will be there for a purpose and I will be there perpetually. Are you with me? Are you with me? Why is Solomon talking like this? Why, why is he asking that question? Are you with me? He's asking the question because of who God is. 
Who is God? Let me ask the question. If I were to ask you that face to face and ask you, who is God? What would you say? Well, Psalm 23, I think, gives us the answer. Who is God? The Lord is my shepherd, said the psalmist. Who is that? Why, that's Jehovah Racham, the one who is always shepherding me. I shall not want. Who is that? Why, that is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord my provider. He restoreth my soul. Who is that? That is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals all my soul's diseases. He leadeth me beside still waters. He leadeth me to lie down in green pastures. Who is that? Why, that is Jehovah Shalom, the Lord my peace. He leads me in paths of righteousness. Who is that? That is Jehovah Sitkenu, the Lord our righteousness. <clears throat> I will fear no evil. For thy rod and thy staff they comfort me. Who is that? That is Jehovah Shammah, the Lord ever present. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Who is that? That is Jehovah Nisai, the Lord our banner. When the enemy shall come in like a flood, then shall the Lord lift up a banner before him. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Who is that? That is Jehovah Meshkidishkin, the Lord our sanctifier. Why does he put his name there forever? Because in Him there is everything we need for time and for eternity. Glory, glory, glory to His name. What a name. He is my everything. He is my all. He is my everything, both great and small. And with Him all things are possible. Mark puts it like this, Mark 9, 23. All things are possible to those who believe. He says, look, I'll be there in person. I'll be there for a purpose. I'll be there perpetually. And my eyes and my heart shall be there perpetually. You see, beloved, God is always on the lookout for men and women of like mind to himself. Even in Old Testament times, God needed men and women with a heart that would praise his God, with a heart who befriended God, with a heart who loved God, with a heart who served God, with a heart who actually wanted God to live within. You see, if you recall how God discovered Abraham, do you remember that? You recall God discovered his man way down in earth of the Chaldees, worshipping false gods. And God spoke to him, and having discovered him, detached him by the word of God. And having discovered him and detached him, he developed Abraham from that moment on. And do you recall how God displayed his man? In Genesis 22, to his son, and did some amazing things. See, God reminds Isaiah way further down the book, in 66, verse 2, But to this man will I look, even to this man that is full of a contrite spirit, and trembles at my word. You see, dear friends, a man, a woman, a young person who starts his day contrite before God, bowed in his presence, 
God will stand at the very door and knock and say, if any man can hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and I will sup with him and he will be with me. Then, 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 this is God's promise that we can hold fast. I will be here, he says, for a purpose. I will be here in person. I will be here perpetually. You see, as we read through Chronicles, we discover that the whole purpose of God is that his people would be people of the word and people of a walk with God. If thou wilt walk with me as David thy father walked in integrity of heart and in uprightness, then the blessing will come. No empty profession of faith will be acceptable here. No counterfeit super spiritual experience will do in this situation. What's God looking for? Spiritual deportment, spiritual desire, spiritual disposition, spiritual discernment, spiritual deliverance, spiritual dominion. You must walk with people, friends, to know their problems, and you must walk with God in order to be able to solve them. And all of this, God wants that we, His people, be full of Him, full of His Word, and full of His blessing that we can share with others.